Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Welcome to the Mystic Order podcast. We are the Mystic Order of East Alabama fiction writers, and I am Katie, the Mystic Oracle. I'm Marion, the Mystic Dog Whisperer. And I'm Margie, the Mystic Illuminator. And I'm Gail, the Mystic Queen. I'm Joanne, the Mystic Defender. And I'm Mary, the Nebulous Mystic. Well, we're gathered here today to talk about a topic that I personally chose. And I chose this because I have very selfish reasons, I suppose. That would be the best way to describe it. One of my many side hustles, is that what you call it these days, as a writer, is to, that I do the gardening, a gardening column for an, a magazine here in Alabama, Alabama Living Magazine, that I have done for at least 25 years. And all through those years, I've never run out of stories because there's always a good story to tell in this column. So I thought that would be so much fun because gardens are part of our literature. They're certainly part of books. They're part of everyone's life, even if you're not a gardener. So I thought it would be fun to talk to my sister mystics about their gardening experiences, their favorite garden books, their favorite garden stories, that sort of thing. So do we have any comments to start with? Yes, this is Mary, and I would like to talk about tending our writing garden. You know, writing, excuse me, gardening is just the greatest metaphor for any of our endeavors, and we are writers, and we have books. And it's occurred to me from listening to several of our podcasts from season one that sometimes we don't really mention where to get our books, and they are all available on Amazon. You can Google the names of the books on Amazon, and the names of the books are, the first is be the Flame, Not the Moth. There is The Ploy of Cooking. And there is The Art of Winch Cooking. Sometimes The Ploy of Cooking doesn't show up immediately because although I've tried hard, I can't get it listed under the name of the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers. So if you're looking for that book, you can uh, Google one of our names to find it as an author. I also noticed that the books that we have individually written are also all available on Amazon. And you can also contact us directly if you ever want to order a book. You can do that through Facebook or through Twitter or just look for us out in public. We like to see and be seen. That's right. You've planted a seed. Thank you so much, Mary. Yes. And try to find Joanne because she has them in the trunk of her car. <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, she's like Johnny Appleseed, only Joanne Appleseed of our books. She's spreading them across the horizon or the landscape. I think every good writer should have at least a dozen books, yours and others, in the trunk of your car. You never know when someone's going to say, oh, I only wish I had one of your books. It's, ha- it's happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Over and over again. Well, Katie, when you said that we were going to talk about gardens, the first thing that came to my mind, and we have mentioned this several times, is the gardens that were made by our friend Nina and my favorite thing is no one had seen the gardens or her house, which is amazing. And so I said we were going to take a road trip. And um, I didn't explain that it was four blocks away. Mary shows up with a cooler and food for the, for the road trip. <laughs> Can I just say, like, every good garden and every good story, this one is getting more and more expansive as we go on. I actually showed up with nothing and begged to stop and purchase a Diet Coke. <laughs> And we've now moved up to a steamer trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she wanted to be prepared for those four blocks. But um, the thing that I love the most about Nina's Gardens is there are lots of different sections, but one was called the Great Wall of Nina, and it's different color boards of all shapes and sizes. It's very interesting, very outsider art. And then I also liked the Shoe Garden. The other thing I wanted to say is this time of year... If you would like to see Nina's garden, you can by 
It's in Auburn, Alabama on C Street, S-E-A-Y, and she has it all glowing for the Christmas season. So I encourage you to drive to C Street off of Bibb Avenue. So, and even even throughout the year, I guess, is she pretty good about wanting to let people oh, see her garden Well, or generous about that? I don't think you can jump out of the car and, no. and grab something that you really like, because <laughs> I've tried that several times. <laughs> but yes, you can drive by and get all the Nina garden you want, and she definitely do, goes all out for ha- Halloween and Christmas. And I know in her house, she puts up 74 Christmas trees. Wow. But last year, she told me she was sort of tired and only put up 60. So, <laughs> and I, I felt sort of bad because I put up one that was a pencil tree that Michaels had put the lights on for me. So I have a question. So, so, you know, my background is, is in journalism, which means I love to interview people. So part of what we're going to do today is for me just to ask you all some questions and you can respond to them. And then we can go off on a tangent if we'd like to. We can put out feelers and roots and things like that. We would we never go, go off on No, a we would never do that. It's just so completely <laughs> uncharacteristic. But I think my first question is, what do tangential. you Tangential. Tangential, that's right. Like kudzu or other things. You know, it goes, it makes beautiful shapes and... It's everywhere. That's where our I conversations go. Garden. I love kudzu. <laughs> I, I actually love a lot of invasive plants for what they can do, but except as... K- I, kudzu was invented at Auburn University. Was it? Re- no. It no. Invented. It was introduced. <laughs> it was introduced. <laughs> I, don't, I think it was... Same a, thing. I'm not a gardener. <laughs> it, it was an Asian the, crop. I know, <laughs> but they, they made it supposedly better uh. to prevent erosion. They were they successful. Over. They were. When I stepped off the plane in Tokyo, Japan, I thought I had stepped off the plane in Atlanta because there were mimosa trees everywhere, kudzu everywhere, and they don't try to control it. It's all over the highway. Well, it's a na- native crop there. Yes, it is, and they and they do grow it. They grow rice under the, the overpasses, but it it is definitely a gift of our mm-hmm. our fellow country, Do Japan. y'all remember our mystic emeritus, Judy, had um, cut back the kudzu in her neighbor's backyard and then crawled over there and started planting gardens, and it wasn't her property, but she thought she could make it lovely, mm. and I don't think the neighbor agreed. It was lovely, and I can't believe it was like a mystical magic garden and the neighbor right reported her to the homeowners association for stealing his land it was no it was not his land it was the right of way there was a drainage ditch and she was on the right of way i will defend as that's, the mystic defender that is called, i will defend judy there's a term for that that's called gorilla gardening not g-o but g-u-e yeah, gorilla. gorilla gorilla not go- gorilla gardening so and and it's a common a common practice and a lovely practice, I think. I think it's wonderful. I want to speak on behalf of kudzu, <clears throat> the health, the health <laughs> connection of kudzu. Um, kuzu root is an alternate starch that is much healthier than cornstarch because, as we all know by now, corn is not a particularly healthy food to eat, but kuzu root is a good substitute for cornstarch, and you can buy kuzu powder at health food stores. And um, But can you get kudzu niblets at Kentucky Fried Chicken? No, <laughs> no, you cannot, but I think, wasn't it kudzu, um, wasn't it kudzu that Dr. Str- Mr. Stroud had the recipe for that he used to share, kudzu greens? Oxford Stroud uh-huh. had, probably. Uh-huh. He, uh, ever so often, his little story about cooking kudzu grains would circulate. And as a linguist, um, I tried to explain to a guide that we, we had in Japan about kudzu, kudzu this, kudzu that. And she kept looking at me like I was crazy. And it is kudzu, kudzu. just like you said, kudzu. I recently had the pleasure of spending about three days with the forestry folks at Auburn University. And they gave us a little quiz about what we knew about invasive plants. And one of the questions was, why was kudzu brought over? And, of course, we all raised our hands. I know, I know, I know. Erosion, erosion. And, in fact, according to um, the invasive plant expert, whose name I don't have, it was actually brought over as a shade plant to shade the porches. And then they realized, oh, this would be a great 
uh, plant to control erosion. Katie's nodding like she knew that, and I'm so impressed. I've heard that before, but I worked for the College of Agriculture for a, a lifetime in the research department, so some of these things bubble back up in my memory, but that sounds very correct. Are we off on a tangent? I think so. <laughs> I, I would like to ask about another invasive plant that we have here, which is very beautiful, but it is wisteria. It uh, is beautiful, and it, it smells wonderful. It is my husband's nemesis. Mine, too. My husband's, too. He, he cannot stand it. He just, Jimmy, will, uh, he goes mad trying to... Is it invasive it because it'll go crazy and go everywhere, or because it's not natural to Alabama? I think it's both of those things, but it does, the problem is that it displaces other plants that are native and also affects the whole ecosystem. Any invasive plant out there can, if it takes over and pushes other things out, then it messes the entire um, food chain up. But kudzu smells just as good as wisteria does. Oh, it does. <laughs> no, I got a kudzu um, candle one time. It was absolutely exquisite. I tried Grapey. to make wisteria ice cream one well, time. Well, are oak leaf hydrangeas uh, Alabama plants? They're native. Native. Yes. Well, the native. reason I bring this up... is it, It's not your birthday yet. No, but I bring this up because... I now, um, a friend of mine's moving, and she said, I'm tired of listening to you talk about how nobody's giving you oak leaf <laughs> hydrangeas. Get over here and dig up every one in my yard, and I did. So now I have this lovely plant everywhere in my little woods up front. Her Thank little, her little Callaway Gardens. Yeah, I love hydrangeas, and those oak leaves are beautiful. They are. Well, I'm upsetting the ecosystem in my garden because I am nurturing mimosas, china berries, wisteria, and I only... And marijuana. And I wish for kudzu. <laughs> Is marijuana an invasive plant? I I not yet. <laughs> but it I could be now that it's getting more legal. I think it's a, only an annual, by it's the way. It's a bathtub plant so. in my experience. <laughs> what? what? Say so, so what? <laughs> From my own personal observations, it's a bathtub plant. You grow it in your bathtub. I, I know that. I think it is a native plant, marijuana. But I know that I, I'm not mentioning any names, and, uh, but I did have a friend who lived in Norcross, Georgia, really swanky subdivision, and she grew it in her backyard by her swimming pool. And she said, none of these people up here know what it is. So she just grew her own. What? What? She was lying. Well, we, uh, I don't know. We moved into our house 20 years ago, and it's a very unusual house designed by an architect, and we couldn't find the storage space anywhere, and we finally went to change the air conditioner vents, and lo and behold, if you take out the air conditioner vents and crawl through the spaces, there was storage <laughs> underneath the dining room, which sounds insane, but it's my house. And um, so not only was the storage completely hidden, but um, it came with 24-hour grow lights on a timer. <laughs> and I think Gail dated the man who built that house, so she's probably got stories. Oh, my gosh. No wonder I always felt so happy. <laughs> but we weren't. Katie, rein us in, please. Oh, well, so, yeah. well, so this does beg the question. My first question is, tell me how each of you define what is a garden. Is it a bathtub garden? Is it, you know, what, so what do you think of your definition is of, of a garden? And, you know, if you've seen my yard, it's, it's hard to, I mean, any place that you try to corral nature is a garden. Um, we live on four and a half acres of land, and it's a garden. You know, we have corralled in what we want to, let go natural what we want to, and we're still working on it. But it's always a work in process, in progress, like writing. Yes. Well, I have an ancient yard in Auburn. It's not big, but I do have a pomegranate tree that bears pomegranates and about a 40-foot-tall camellia. And one day, these kids were wandering by our house, and this one girl, I think she was stoned. I think she'd been visiting your basement. <laughs> <laughs> the grow lights. The grow lights. And she looked at our camellias. It's got big red camellias, and she said, that's the biggest rose bush I've ever seen. <laughs> the city of Auburn keeps taking your garden away, doesn't it, Margie? Yes, they do, but we're still and hanging what is, in there. What is, uh, what is the rule that they can take all her side yard and front yard at, at will? Well, no, it, it's, yeah, they have an easement. They have, Domain. yes, 
eminent domain is what they have. And unfortunately, the easement is like 10 feet or 20 feet. And it keeps but the, moving. That's right. Every <laughs> it keeps time they moving 20, closer they, and closer. They come back five years later and 20 more. The, the easement's going to be in the middle of Margie's living Pretty room. Oh. They're going to be able to mail a letter at Margie's house because she lives across the street from the post. <laughs> our, our garden is just going to be potted plants inside. <laughs> but that is a garden. All right. So, uh, yes. so who else has... Uh, I've been digging up passion flower. I have my kitchen's full of buckets of passion flower that I brought in for the winter. But I notice, <laughs> I notice that um, that that I didn't dig up is doing well too out in the yard. Banana. Oh, oh. One of you know how Auburn's growing out. It's getting too big for its britches. And the house across the street from me has been sold. The house that had all the banana trees in the yard and. Some people I know, I know, it, I know it's against the law to jump in dumpsters, but some people I know went over there after the bulldozers bulldozed up those banana trees and jumped in those dumpsters and got those banana trees. Did both trees. you and John David jump in the dumpster? Because that's child abuse. There was plural. And, <laughs> and didn't they drop the banana trees in your yard they so did. that you and John David could plant them. They're very it, nice right. gorilla what? dumpster divers. They saw divers. you in the dumpster and felt sad for you? I don't know how those banana trees got to my house, but there now I have a banana farm I see. on the back 40 <laughs> at my house now. Well, we have two raised gardens in our backyard. We used to garden, and we even owned a farm at one point, but um, we're elderly now, and so we have raised beds, and I don't think I've told this yet on the uh, podcast. We we have the his raised bed and the hers raised bed. <laughs> and in mine, I grow sweet. Is that like Lucy and Ricky having beds. twin beds? Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> gotcha. And we do have twin beds, too. <laughs> okay. We, we may be having more information than we need here, but go ahead. Keep going. He's got a king-size bed, and I've got the lazy boy recliner <laughs> where when he gets to snoring. <laughs> anyway, in my raised... Uh, bed I, I grow sweet 100 cherry tomatoes that are fabulous mm -hmm. and then in the other half I grow collard greens which are trashy and delicious so one day I walked out to the garden and I was extremely dizzy and I thought I'm gonna fall over but by God I'm gonna fall over in the tomatoes because don't let it be said that the queen died in a bunch of collards <laughs> <laughs> you have standards <laughs> I have standards. I, I fell into the sweet 100. I was going to say that that yes, that would that would fit the queen not falling into trash collards. When you used to go to Germany every other year, I would water your garden while you were in oh, Germany. Yeah. Oh, and this minute y'all left the country, the drought would come. You would say you don't have to water if it rains. No, it wouldn't rain for the entire time you were in Germany. So I started taking my rain stick up to y'all's garden and shaking it around and dancing. <laughs> and I want to tell you, the clouds burst open. And did it produce tomatoes? Y'all had the most gorgeous garden when you got back because of that rain dance and that rain stick. And arugula, that was my favorite thing. And yeah. that I will I will definitely know who to come see when our garden or <laughs> rain right. did you this summer what we went I, three months with no rain. We I went all that, through September and October with no rain. I shook that rain stick twice in either September or October and we got a sprinkle. I never could get a torrential downpour. I think you're just too old to do I the think I, I think it's just like everything else. <laughs> Well, Jimmy and I, when we moved out to the property, lest you think it's all wild, we did, um, that when we had a little hard body, when my 20-something-year-old son was still at home. Um, he, I thought you meant yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be like maybe 40 years ago. <laughs> no, we, um, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight raised beds, and I have an asparagus bed. Which I That's love. Cool. Um, a celery bed. Okay, you beat me. <laughs> <laughs> well, my yard is an acre and a half of total wild wonder, and 
I don't know anything about what a garden is. I do have some beautiful native trilliums, and I've got some oak leaf hydrangea, and I have lots of privet and other invasive species. But um, I forage at the raised beds at Kiesel Park. They have a master garden out there, and you can just go and and forage. You can get the asparagus and the basil and the tomatoes and the blueberries. Are you sure you can do that? I am sure. And you should see all the people out there now getting pecans. They're out there with those little wheel cages that they roll around and pick up all the pecans. Oh, yeah, Kiesel Park is fabulous. So the master gardeners grow it, but you eat it. See, now this happens. Yeah, you know, every now and then. University has community gardens. Right. Or used to. Facilities. Used Not to. anymore. They don't. They've bulldozed that spot. Aww. I know. Well, we had a community garden there, and just about the time everything got ripe, and Bob, Bob likes um, to grow hot peppers and they get right at ripe at football season so we'd go to harvest the peppers and they were gone with the uh, game you know ever who had their rv, RV up there up has in. a bunch of beautiful peppers but uh, you're not i didn't think you were supposed to pick peppers or food grown by an organization or it's others. a demonstration garden people pick from it all the time it would just sit out there and rot there's nobody there picking it officially oh. it's very obvious you go out there and there'll be you know eggplants growing around and it's wide open. It's in a public space. They well, used that's to have what they blueberries. About the community garden. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, come on, come on. Okay, so I don't have anything to add so about gardening. So it was Mary I'm picking weedster. our peppers, not the f- that's football fans. That's true. Now fans. we know who, who's the pepper picker <laughs> and eating them with your sterling. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I've counted the sterling tonight, yeah. Mary. Well, just this <laughs> no response is a prime example of the fact that I think a garden is what you make it. I mean, honestly, everybody has a different opinion of what a garden should look like and what it is, and there may be some formal definition of some sort, but I really think that the joy of gardening is making it what you want it to be. It's also a metaphor. That's true. Exactly. So talk to me about that. Why did I speak? (laughs) Um, Well, if you think of um, the song Empty Garden, I mean, that's the, the one insect that damaged so much grain is not really... A bug. And so who did that song? Um, I don't, um, wait a minute. Let me see if I wrote it down. Elton and Bernie wrote it together. And okay. Elton performed it. At least that's how I know it. Is that right, Mary? I don't know. You Elton don't know? John? Uh-huh. Okay. And Bernie? Bef- I don't know the song. Toppin? Bernie Toppin? Okay. Does Bef- anybody know it? No. You know Gail doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but before we leave um, native plants, I would like to mention one other garden in Auburn, and that's our Arboretum. Yes. Oh, yeah. And if you're planning to visit Auburn, Alabama, be sure to go to the Donnelly Davis Arboretum because it's all native plants, and it's truly beautiful. And our friend Morgan. Who will be on a show one of these days. Yes, we hope. yes. We invited podcasts. Morgan Beals to be here mm-hmm. tonight, but she had to grade some finals or something uh, ridiculous a- like that. But she manages the Arboretum, and it's I think it's all native plants. And it also has a 150-year-old oak tree in it. The um, wow. founders, Founda- oak. founders oak, yeah, founders oak, yeah, yeah. It 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 that an arboretum, you know, and by definition, is a teaching garden. So the idea is that people can go in there and identify plants and learn from them. And so I don't know that it's all native plants, um, but it's definitely all plants that would be typical to find in a landscape and examples of different kinds. They have an oak collection that's certified by whoever certifies oak collections, because they have... Um, every kind of oak. Every kind of oak. And so not all of those are necessarily native to and Alabama. And there's lots of oaks. Yeah. Lots of oaks. My you favorite know. local garden was the Medicinal Herb Garden, which mm-hmm. is now a parking lot. But have they relocated that? Supposedly at some point in time it's going to go to the Arboretum, but I think that's a Marion, when I was looking up local gardens, guess what's in Opelika? The, that micro... The microgreens? There's a microgreens um, garden in Opelika. Just look it up online. Really? And I meant to send you uh, the link, but I was busy cooking our soup tonight. That is wonderful to know. And those microgreens are supposed to be available at the New Day Spring as yeah. well. Yeah. So I'm handing this Which to Which is Marky. now in Opelika. <laughs> well, speaking of pronunciations and gardeners, Tia Gonzalez, who is the curator and and guru of the medicinal plant garden, um, has been a gardener and landscape person for a long, long time, and especially herbs. But I remember her telling me that when she was married 
to her last husband, maybe the first husband too, maybe her only husband, I don't know. But that she knew that the marriage was going downhill when he ran over her panties with the lawnmower. Oh, I, s- <laughs> I, I see thought, where this is going. I thought that that would be a, that would be a problem. I think so. That, she poisoned him. No, no. <laughs> it turned out she was saying peonies. But oh. <laughs> her accent, I thought, turn your panties. Why were they on the ground? Had they what were they doing? The clothesline? You know, what? I, my mind had just gone in all si- to kinds the d- of places. Gutter. It had and gone to so the gutter. It, and, uh, it, she was talking peonies or peonies, depending on he how you want to say it. probably ran over that. it with his power more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> his par- power more. more. His power more. Well, his southern yeah. accent is power more. Power more. Well, well in, in Ireland, uh, outside the Blarney Castle, where you can kiss the Blarney Stone, there's a poison garden mm. that has all poisonous oh, plants. Blarney that, malarkey? Yes. <laughs> Blarney, yeah. you get the gift of gab yeah. if you I kiss have, the stone. I have just started my own, med- I shouldn't say I have started because I do have some medicinal herbs about, I have just planted some ginseng um, tubers and some golden seal tubers. We'll see if the if the squirrels and the deer don't get to them, I may have a medicinal garden in the back. Yay. Well, this garden has like belladonna. Well, yeah, uh, it has <laughs> really things that will get you. Yeah, yeah, and I rat poison. Of, <laughs> I, I go to my I go to my mushrooms for poison. <laughs> so they're cultivating poison in this garden on purpose, and then you just get to walk through and and. Well, there were poisonous herbs in the medicinal herb garden. Oh, yeah, it's do not touch. Or eat. Oh, well, that would be really good um, educational garden. Yeah, and probably not one you want to forage. No. Unless you have ulterior motives. No, no, no. And did you say you could get the gift of gab if you kissed something? The Blarney Stone. You have to go up in the castle, and you have to lean over backwards to kiss the stone. They would probably drape it in black and they if hold they saw you the by your, They hold you by yeah. your legs 500 feet off the the ground down there so that you can kiss the Blarney Stone. And, and they're that's all one thing you certainly need. <laughs> and <laughs> the they're all... of gab. <laughs> Sorry, go. Is there an anti-gab stone? That's kind yeah. of what yeah. I was I'm thinking. Saying, <laughs> if they saw us all coming, they would take black cloth and, and cover the Blarney Stone for like a time. Like they do mirrors and after yeah. a few... Uh, for a death. Well, well, people line up to kiss it. I think it's supposed to be good luck, too. But the thing is, there are all these rumors, too, that at night the guards, like, pee on it. <laughs> I've heard those too. I've never, never the tried to kiss it either. The lady that was standing there when I kissed. Of course, <laughs> if you go to Ireland, being Irish, you have to kiss the Blarney Stone. And so my husband, just not being Irish, he's English, just watched me. Um, and he, uh, after I got up, I heard one lady go, oh, I would, no telling what's been on that Blarney Stone. That must and have I been told my her, mother. I know. <laughs> It wasn't Carol. I was looking for Carol, especially me being hung upside down by my feet. I I tipped that man. Did you have a dress on? No. (laughs) That would have been the tip, wouldn't it? Uh, But um, I told her I'd never heard of anyone dying from kissing the Blarney Stone. Well, Mama, when, when she used to be able to get up and cook, would always wash meat when she got it from a grocery store because she said she didn't know where the butcher's hands had been. So I'm <laughs> fairly sure she wouldn't be we kissing on that. Wouldn't be kissing him. <laughs> well, we si- since we're writers and we've been talking about um, poisonous herbs, we should at least mention Nathaniel Hawthorne's Rappaccini's daughter, mm. a story that a garden is the main motif in. Yeah, well, and there's so many. So t- talk to us about that. But then there's so many literary gardens. Well, it's, in there's our lives. really it's it's the the story is one of Hawthorne's many stories that addresses man playing God. Yeah. And so Dr. Rappuccini has created this garden of poisonous plants and he's fed his daughter small doses of it her entire life so that she can never be harmed. But now she herself is beautiful but poisonous. So it's one of Hawthorne's... Talk um, about some metaphors. Yeah. It's one of his heavy metaphor mm. stories. But yeah, like yeah. I said, there are so many stories. Um, of course, you know, everybody grew up with the secret garden, of course. Yeah. That was so special. That was so sweet. There's gray gardens. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I reread The Secret Garden recently because it was one of my favorite books when I was growing up. And so I've read it at least twice as a child and at least twice as an adult. And I was 
I was looking at some of the passages from it today, and I was kind of overwhelmed at how beautifully it's written. And the fact that I sat there with my little 10-year-old self curled up in a corner with that book. I work in education now, and I see what kids are reading and what they're not reading. And I was young when I was reading that book. And the idea, it was, it's complicated. The language is beautiful and tangled like, a, like an old garden. So I was sort of impressed with my little self, felt sort of a renewed respect for my young reader. When I was closed up in the studio on the mattress on the floor for 14 days, I watched a lot of movies. Is that recent? Yes, you better. (laughs) What? Well, were you quarantined? No. Were you quarantined? Beautiful but poisonous disease. (laughs) My son's elderly dog had surgery and he had to go out and she couldn't walk up and down the steps and she's too heavy for me to carry her. So he had to go out of town. And I moved to the studio floor on a mattress and kept her out there because it's on ground level. But the point is that I watched a lot of movies on the computer while I was out there because that was just about all I could do. And I watched one called The Beautiful Fantastic. I believe it was on Netflix. And it made me think a little bit of The Secret Garden. It's it's a sweet movie. It's not going to be a mind-bender movie. But it's what's the name of it? The Beautiful Fantastic. It's about a young woman who wants to illustrate children's books and she Uh moves into a house but she doesn't know anything about gardening and the man who lives next door is a gruff old man who is going to get her kicked out of her apartment because she's let the garden go to ruin and so she has to it's one of those stories with a good ending she has to salvage the garden and it it was just a happy I want to go right off topic yesterday I went to see Knives Out I'm going to see that soon the um setting the set of this is an old house with everything i have ever probably uh everything in your house and your house (laughs) is in this but it's stuff i've sold often as an antique dealer and that place is packed with it i could hardly think of the movie for looking at the set for pricing the items well i went to see adam's family last night we wanted to go see knives out but we figured it would be here longer than the adams family because the adams family's already been here so long yeah it was that garden's nice too you know they cut morticia cuts the blooms off of the the roses roses, and leaves the the thorns the thorns Mm -hmm. the beautiful speaking of roses and the biggest the biggest rose um bush you ever seen um we just moved my son into a 1945 apartment building it was built in oak ridge during the big war ww2 and they had a rose bush that I have to believe was there since the 1940s. It was over eight feet tall. Of course, it was wicked. I, somebody needed to cut it back but um, because you didn't want to get caught by it as you went by. But it was still blooming. And this was like late October. Well, when I was young in the 40s and 50s, um, all, everyone had rose gardens. And they grew the old roses, the talisman rose and the peace rose and et cetera. And we even had a rose garden, and we were a pretty unusual family. Well, one of the most beautiful rose gardens is in, in London, the Queen's Rose Garden. And it's got a million varieties of roses, and it's just gorgeous. And then, of course, there are rose gardens in Portland, Oregon. There's a lovely rose garden there. And also, Thomasville, Georgia, has a rose festival, and oh, they wow. have beautiful roses there. So, um, But... Do, Teaching in Italy for many summers, it was interesting that they were on the vineyards, they would always plant a rose at yes. the end of each uh, row of, of, of vines because it's kind of like the canary in the coal mine because the roses are you know, susceptible to so many diseases. So if the rose was doing okay, they figured the vines were. But if something started going wrong with a rose, they go like, mm, let's check it out. They do that in California, too, because there are roses. I noticed that around every vineyard was roses. And I thought, well, how beautiful. You know, even at that, the Rose Bowl. Even at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it was, they said that anything that will attack the vine will attack the roses first. And the most important thing about the Rose Bowl is the second Sunday of almost every month, they have an antique show there. And so you can, the whole parking lot is filled up with glorious old things. Oh. So I'll give you a word. Rose by any other name. That's right. Would be an antique. There there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And a rose by any other name would be an indicator species. That's just a word that I like. And uh, 
those are the species that are hit first when the conditions are bad. They're the canaries in the coal mine. And one of my favorite indicator species are the lichens. I love them so much. And where you see lots of lichens, that's a good sign because they're very sensitive to pollution. And uh, if you haven't read Bill Bryson's book, uh, a history, short history of everything in the universe or similar to that, please do. But he's got a whole chapter in there, um, Consider the Lichens. And it's absolutely stunningly yeah. beautiful there. All right. So several years ago, I was at a meeting and there were these ladies who had come from out of state who were also at the meeting and they were sneaking out early not to go, say, to the beach or to all those things. They were going to go out rose rustling. So they were looking for um, antique and heirloom varieties of roses, and so they would drive around wherever they were and in whatever state. They were originally from Texas, and they would, if they spotted one blooming in a yard, they'd go knock on the door and ask if they could take a cutting. And if nobody was home, maybe they went ahead and took a cutting. I it don't sounds know. like Mary Hence, at Kingsville Park. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Hence the rose rustling. Rose rustle. They were rose rustlers. That, ro- that people, rose wasn't branded. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming with and me. People That's have cool. also done that for things like pomegranates because there are all these old, old pomegranate spe- uh, varieties that are here in, the, in just people's backyards. They do it with um, daffodils. So if you're out wandering around in the Daylilies. Daylilies Day carry yeah. a great price for some. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a Margie <clears throat> had the experience of having, a, I don't know if she was a neighbor. Who was she, Margie? Coming over and getting into your pomegranate. Just tree. random people stop by her yard <laughs> and to get, get the, the pomegranates. When they're they, actually. They usually the knock food. on the back door and say, can I get the pomegranates? And I go, well, you can take one or two, but I have to watch them because. They could clean out a tree. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, sure. I think you had one lady that almost run you off. <laughs> well, then, well then she ca- got some pomegranates and she came back and said, would you have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, or a you, quiche. <laughs> <laughs> you were way too nice to her. She thought yeah. that was home. Well, I, I <laughs> or <found>, Persephone. <laughs> I, I found this great article today when we were talking about gardens of exploring the Victorian Victorian meaning of flowers. Mm. And this was saying that, um, you know, today people, you know, use emojis, but in the 19th century, Victorians would have used flowers. In fact, due to severe restrictions of Victorian society, an entire language of flowers was developed so the senders could express feelings and emotions through colorful coded messages. There's a so book each, of this. It's called The Language of Flowers. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful yeah. little book. And, and some examples of these, it's like if you had an anemones, that meant forsaken. Oh. And asters, what did they stand for? From the Greek word star, and this flower was, was res, um, you know, recognized for its unique star-shaped head. So that stood for daininess. So that was there. Datingness or da- da- daintiness? That daintiness. you're very dainty. <laughs> da- I like the word uh, datingness. Daintiness. Eligibility. Yes, <laughs> the camellia. Um, each color had a purpose. So red camellias meant you're the flame in my heart. Ooh. White camellias meant you're adorable. And pink camellias meant longing for you. And roses are that way too, right? So a yellow rose is... Um, not a good thing to get. It I means you're from Texas. Yeah, a yellow. <laughs> I think it is point. something yeah. about longing or memory or, or like the or, yellow ribbons. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then a red rose is love, and a white rose is so all of those it's colors. Death. And but you know, I do have this problem with the emojis. Is that when I heart something, apparently the red heart means something different than the blue and the green ones. Oh dear! I, but I, I had no idea. Oh dear! That. Well, I remember when I was little on Mother's Day, you wore one color rose if your mother was alive yeah. and another color Red rose if, if they were alive and, and white if she was not. Yeah. Incarnations and things yeah. like that, too. And, yeah. and you wore a striped rose if she was drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but since we're writers and we try to come back to literature ever so often, we might mention Ophelia and Hamlet yes. and how, you know, all the plants that she, all those flowers that she named had... Well, Meaning, and, you know, Jane Austen and all of those writers. I mean, gardens were just a main part well, of wanna, many of those. Stories. I want to talk about another Alabama garden because I'm proud of our wonderful state, and that is Orr Park in Montevallo. Have y'all been there? 
I have been there, and I've and spent a lot of time. All the cedar trees that were destroyed in a storm have been carved into little gnomes and faces and snakes and fish. And um, this was done by a guy named Tim Tingle. And he's he was with a coal mining business. I don't know if he went down in the coal mines or if he wrote the paychecks. I don't know what he, but says he's also an author. So I looked up his books today and there were just hundreds and hundreds of them. Well, it turned out that was a different Tim Tingles. <laughs> How could there be two How Tim many Tingles? Ting- yeah. I mean, that's just wrong. There was a Tina Tingle here at Auburn. I believe she was an English major. And when she graduated from Auburn, she went, she worked at Algonquin. In North Carolina as an editor. Wow. Oh, I wonder if they're... Yeah. Gail oh, is showing so us beautiful. one of the cedars that has been carved. It looks like something Jimmy Camp would have done. It's so beautiful. Oh, you're a little old man that looks like Jimmy Camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this, Very the handsome, next picture right? is um, Butch Cart Gardens, where I, w- I went a couple of months ago. And this is the Sunken Garden, which is 22 acres, the most 22 acres in the world. And... Um, it had been a limestone quarry that the bush carts, the bush cart arts owned. Um, they were cement people. They made cement. Like cement ponds? Yes, they made cement. So they, this <laughs> was the quarry for the limestone that was replanted. And it's um, absolutely breathtaking. And it yeah, is, is beautiful. Yeah, it's got a lot colors. of, it looks like Japanese maples. Jimmy grows it, those from. It's not in Alabama, though. No. It's, it's in, in, on Vancouver But you could recreate Island. that in your backyard. I could. Japanese maples I grow could. anywhere. If only I had the money of a cement baron. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, do you, did any of y'all know Carolyn Dean? who had yes. the wildflower wow. garden. Mm-hmm. And I always tried to emulate hers, but I never just didn't have the touch that she did. They just throw those seeds out. Well, yeah. I throw those seeds out and they don't come up. Well, yeah. Well. So, <laughs> speaking of wildflowers, several years ago, so where I live, there's five acres of land around our house. and Or our house is on five acres of land. And a lot of it has been lawn. And I felt really bad about my lawn because I knew it was sucking up energy and it was you know requiring too much effort and it's nice looking but it has no character so I convinced my husband several years ago to let me have someone plow up the back part of the yard and we planted wildflowers back there it was the most for seven years it was gorgeous and every year was different because it receded and the first year it was all coreopsis so this sea of yellow and then other cone flowers and other things were coming in to it the problem was that one of the native plants here is a is goldenrod, which is a native plant. It's not not an invasive, but it was it loved that wildflower plot too, and it was shading out the wildflowers. So I would go out there and hand pull the goldenrod, some of which was over my head, and so eventually it got to the point where we had to just mow it, and we're starting over again this year. But one time, even in the summer, I mean in the winter time, when all the flowers were gone, we left the seeds out there so they'd reseed. And I walked out, and suddenly this big blast of yellow just rose mm. up out of the garden. And it was um, not cedar wax wings. The um, goldfinch goldfinches were out there feeding. Wow. Yeah. But you couldn't tell that they were there till they rose <coughs> up and just popped up. And so I will highly recommend, even if it's just a little tiny corner of your yard, putting wildflowers because they're basically maintenance-free except for goldenrod. They need rod. sun, though, don't they? Not all of them. You I'll get take a your goldenrods that you pull up because I love to mix them with ageratum. Yeah. Well, you've, you've described my dream yard, only I don't have sun, um, but I have a few little small patches, and I would, now that I've semi-retired, like to have a very messy wildflower garden the meadow look and, and it's things, okay if yeah. the golden rods take over yeah well this would have been fine if the golden rods hadn't been shading everything else yeah. out that was the problem they were just but i wonder over time if it would have you know cycled back around uh, maybe i wonder i but think the golden rod would have won the um and i love golden rod too but research that i've done you can get golden rods anyway you know, so I, just, I, I see them in ditches, but I'm yeah. sort of hesitant to stop in a ditch What anymore. is that called again? Gorilla? Gorilla gardening. Well, the goldenrod is the top gorilla, mm-hmm. I can tell you, because I've stopped. I mean, I'll go take my car in for in, in the, while they're 
changing the oil or whatever they do in there in order to charge me these exorbitant prices. Right. I'm out there picking golden rods in their parking I lot. I want them by the root, and they grow out near Mission Thrift. But you know how thrift store people are so self-righteous and rule-bound? <laughs> They're all I'm, over Kiesel Park. I'm so <laughs> afraid that if I pull up a golden rod at Mission Thrift, they'll send me to jail and Joanne will have to come get me. <laughs> Kiesel Park, Marion. <laughs> Kiesel Park might have to be the place. Well, if Joanne comes and gets you, you're going to have to do Hail Marys for pulling up the golden That's rods. okay. <laughs> now, so I thought guerrilla gardening was planting your garden in someone else's yard. It Well, it is. It is. It's spreading it to places that okay. aren't necessarily your property. But there are probably lots of ways to guerrilla garden. So I'd like to, if I may, bring this around to a very personal gardening story. Yes, And it, it segues with the yellow rose. When you were talking about that, I was kind of like, ooh. The yellow rose, and I'll get back to why that why that um, connected. But um, back in 1999, my brother died. Many of you know that if you know me, and it was very traumatic. He's my only brother, and it was unexpected. And a friend of mine in Massachusetts found out, and he showed up on an airplane. This friend, his name is Owen Kennedy, and he's a musician. You can find his music on the internet, or you can just find me, and I'll send you his way. He's a delightful and lovely person. So he just showed up and said, we're going to build a garden. You don't have a garden. And we got in the car and we went out and we bought dirt and manure and we made a garden that was a small, maybe like a four by five patch in the backyard in the sun, a butterfly garden. He left after a week or so. And I don't know, well, at the time, I know now what happened, but I didn't know what was happening then. Well, that little garden turned into mania and my front yard this is back when i had a house in the sun i went out and i tore up the wisteria and the kudzu mm. and the trees and i began to plant and plant and plant and became obsessed with my garden and it was gorgeous and i would plant anything that was colorful and things grew and i tended it and i where had, was this this was on cahaba drive it was gorgeous and i would take my friends on tours of my called it my grief garden. I mean, I knew what I was doing. I was grieving through my garden. And it really, really was pretty. I went out in the woods and collected stones. And um, How many years did you work on this garden? Maybe two, because then we moved. Well, maybe, yeah, about two seasons. And then we moved to a place with no sun. And I took some stones and some lamb's ear. But alas, I, I can't do a garden Is with no sun. Is your lamb's ear still living? It lived for about 10 years. But anyway, I, I, so later in my life, I looked up, you know, why did I have this reaction to, I, to, why did I create a psychedelic grief garden? I could not be pulled from that garden. I was out there in the morning before I would get up and go teach school. And that's grief when you go is. teach school. Yeah. <laughs> so it turns out that there is a strain of bacterium in soil, which triggers the release of serotonin. And it's called Mycobacterium vaccae. Elevates mood and decreases anxiety, makes us more productive and happier. I've known that for a while, and it, of course it all makes sense, and there's all these movements to go spend more time outside. The tie-in with the yellow rose, by the way, was my brother died in February, and I'm not exactly sure how that got tied into yellow roses, but for years my mother and I would cel- not celebrate his death. What do you do? Commemorate his death with yellow roses. And so Joanne was just saying um, maybe they're for longing or absence mm-hmm. and... I don't think we read that anywhere. I think we were just drawn to yellow roses. So that's a very personal story about gardening that ended up being kind of funny because today when I was looking up that the name of that bacterium, I was very tickled to see the grounding movement. There's this whole thing now called grounding. It's something I'm pretty sure anybody will go to hell for doing. They've turned earth into a verb. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can go earthing. And, but here's the worst part. You don't even have to go outside to go earthing. You can get an earthing blanket that you plug in and it mimics the negative ions in the ground to ground you because our bodies build up a flux of positive ions. So, you know, running around barefoot and being outside literally grounds us. I mean, literally, like lightning. But, you know, if you don't want to do that, you can buy an earthing blanket um, or some various other earthing um technologies and gizmos and i think we should have an anti-earthing movement right now and just (laughs) take off our shoes all right you know you just explained something mary because i've never been a gardener jimmy has always been the gardener he can take 
a twig. I think you could take a pencil and stick it in the ground and it would start sprouting. Um, Erasers. But since I've retired, I have become a gardener. And I'm out there. I mean, I have cabbages. And right now, this time of year, I have cabbages and and broccoli. And I just finished up with my sweet peas. And, you know, and I'm just, I have become obsessed with it. And I, I don't have to, yeah, but I think you're right. I think maybe that bacterium Are you has planting taken the wacky weed? That's my no. question. <laughs> Are you but, planting the wacky weed? But I will let you know when I do. And it is hemp. If I start growing hemp for rope, who would blame me? Yes? That's right. And it's legal. <laughs> Now, probably That's some of your friends of you practice law with. Because all of, I like to have things that are useful. Marion mentioned Maypops, passion flowers, and those started volunteering in my backyard. So I had Jimmy build a trellis for them. And I just said, come on, mm-hmm. grow. And I do a lot of that. I have a lot of ferns that have volunteered. And I just, I love that, that a native plant mm-hmm. will decide to grow here. And I just it's okay, grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I started talking at the first of this podcast about Auburn um, Gardens and Alabama Gardens, but I have to, I have to mention two gardens that I've seen in Europe, and this is one of them. Oh wow! And that is the entrance to the Savorsky Crystal World. Mm. And it's kind of like Cirque du Soleil gone crazy into a garden, and you walk through thing. And it's a man made out of greenery, yeah. and there is water Waterfall. coming out of it's his mouth. It's, it's a green face with waterfalls. And the other garden I would like to talk about is the graveyards of Europe, but especially Germany, because their graves are open. So instead of the uh, granite or marble being a slab, it's a frame, and in it are all these wonderful flowers, and the gardens are tended every day by the widows of some of the people in there. And there's a well with little um, buckets hanging over it to water the gardens. And don't we sometimes refer to cemeteries as bone gardens? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought about that when we were planning. The bone yard. When we were planning this, the bone yard or the bone garden. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And, and please, while we're talking about gardens, we have to mention the one at Lochapoca. It's a charming little garden. Grandma's garden? Yeah. Yes. We That's talked lovely. about the one in Auburn, the medicinal herb garden, but we or plant garden, but we didn't mention Grandma's garden in Lochapoca. And they, they grow some, I wouldn't say odd things, but they grow things that you wouldn't think to grow, like oats. They grow oats in the garden or wheat, and I think they take it and grind it and make bread out of and it, And that's too. At Lee, behind the Lee County Historical Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, a pretty garden. Just Lee County Historical. Historic mm-hmm. in Lochapoca. Mm-hmm. But yes. behind the museum. But it's, but it's not open to the public all the time. I think you have to set up. It's open certain Saturdays. Third, yes. Yeah. And Second other than Saturday. that, you have to set up coming out Second there. I went Saturday. to visit it. With the master gardeners, I'm not one, but I got invited to go along the most recent time that I went to it. People who live in Lee County know the Watleys, and while they used to be cattle farmers, they are now just farmers of some sort or another. I think they, I think if you're a Watley, you have to have a garden. But one thing that Charles Watley puts in his garden is he grows things that you would not normally see, like he grows tobacco. Not to smoke it, but because you don't ever see tobacco anymore. I remember as a child going up through North Carolina and Virginia and seeing tobacco things. But in, So he always grows these odd oddities like certain kinds of squash that you would never see and has a three sisters garden with the squash and the corn. The and beans. What's, what's the, the beans. other? The beans, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, but that just kind of thing that's yeah. it's old. Yeah, another beautiful plant that they use are sweet potatoes. Oh, yeah. Sweet potato vines. And those are used all over in planters and you know, mm-hmm. because they are beautiful. Now, I tried sweet potatoes a couple of years ago, and I just was going to have a little plot, maybe about two by three, and I planted sweet potatoes in it. I could have fed Lee County mm-hmm. with the sweet potatoes. And they're very nutritious, <laughs> too. Put out. That's the problem. And it kept going and kept finding its own way. I mean, there were sweet potatoes everywhere. Well, so I'm planning is- to do my whole backyard in clover. 
I think that's a great idea. That's, it's, that's, it builds the soil. Can you remember when clover was all the way down the highway, no matter wherever, which way you went? And that's, that's what I want my backyard to be. It was so beautiful, and the wind would blow, and the red mm -hmm. tops would And the bees over. would come, and the bees would, would be right. for the bees. Mm -hmm. I tried to grow clover in the back, and it just would not would it take. Not? And I think it's biennial, though. I think the first think year and the second year it did come up a little more, but I finally just let... We had zoysia or some sort of fly. What is that that grass that grows along? Fescue? Not fescue. Bermuda. Mm -hmm. And it would just take off, so I let it. So I do a lot of gardening by letting things take off. That's, that's, I think that's a great way. So I think that it may be... This is such a fertile subject <laughs> that we could have several episodes about gardening, but I think we may be uh, almost out of time. And I, I really no. think that we should have a mystic moment. A mystic before moment. Before we wrap things up moment. today. So Mary is raising her finger. Because I have such a good one. And also because I didn't realize that I just talked about my brother dying. But here's my mystic moment. And it's so wonderful. And thank you, social media, for making it happen. So I got a message um, from my, on Facebook from a total stranger, someone I'd never met before, and her husband is an electrician, and he works, he was working on a house in LaGrange, wait a minute, in LaGrange, Georgia, and he was in the attic, and he found... Uh, He's an attic? He was in an attic. Oh, I see. Attic. And he found a broken shadow box with some with some souvenirs and relics and there was a picture of my brother and some pictures of some fighter fighter jets that were on a um, airline carrier that he was on in the navy his diving knife a couple of patches and his dog tags oh cool and we were just stunned and could not figure out how that happened because you don't your dog tags are personal so anyone that he would have ever given them to would have treated them well well, we've arranged to get these back, which I'm very grateful for. And my mother remembers that many years ago, probably 30 years ago, that box was stolen from my brother because it also had a ring in it, a star sapphire. And when it was stolen, he filed a police report and he thought he knew who did it, but he never got it back. So somehow or another, that wow. box is coming home. You know, I think moment. things find their way home. And... and I've experienced not that poignant, maybe, but many times, like people mailing me uh, my mother and father's wedding announcement from the old newspaper, and they'll just find their way home. And when I used to do estate sales, um, I'd find pictures of my cousins and my parents and in, in the estate sales. I don't think sales. I've ever had that happen, but how mystical that was, Mary. It was. It was very mystical. And I'm going to add the name of the woman who contacted me. Oh, it's, good. Yes, it's Brandy Milford. And she actually contacted me through my friend, Susie Walker Chambly, um, because she saw that we had friends in common. Wow. So those two wonderful That's women cool. have seen that to this great. mystic moment. Thank yeah. you. Wow. I had a mystic moment, but I forgot what it was. Well, that's probably good at the moment. Remember it for the next time, because I think we're almost out of time here. And so maybe it's time to say, let put the garden to bed right. <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've been wanting to say that, you know, in, in Arabic or in Persian, you know, the word for garden and paradise are the same. Ah, so, you know, yeah, like a that. garden being mm -hmm. heaven. Like so that's yes. I think that um, if you want to hear more about the mystics or more about the books, that there's probably a way that people can get in touch with us without even having to go through five layers of, of social media, even though that's a wonderful, such a wonderful story, Mary. So, Mystic Joanne, can you tell us how could people find us? You can find us on Facebook at, fa at facebook.com slash mysticorder of East Alabama, and you can find the show on Twitter at the Mystic Pod and YouTube at the Mystics Pod, Mystics with an S, and on YouTube.com slash the Mystics with an S pod. And then you can also find our our podcast if you go on any podcast platform. provider platform. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Mary Mary is our techie and she keeps us up to this new language but if you go to the mystic order podcast that's the magical 
words that will get you there. Of course, you can always drop us a line at themysticspod at gmail.com. And please do. We love it when people talk to us and Or if you know us, us. just call us. Mm-hmm. Or you can contact us directly. <laughs> Stop us yes. on the street. Or and if garden. you live in Opelika, you can buy our books at Heritage Gift and Gourmet on 8th Street. And we would love to come and read and talk at your book club. Or your garden or, club. Or your garden club. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> what a concept. Or your garden party. <laughs> That's your garden party, yes. yes. And, <laughs> in fact, the Mystics <laughs> yeah. just came back from the women's club in Auburn. And it was a fine time. It was. It was good food. The food was good time. and the audience was excellent. Definitely. And remember... Well, let me say that if you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate, <laughs> review, the and pod- subscribe to the podcast. The classy podcast. <laughs> I think I got into that hemp. <laughs> please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell all your friends. And now, Gail, remember. And remember what are we supposed to remember? Be the, be flame, the flame, not, not the, the moth. moth.